Hello, RP people, and welcome back to a very special episode of Roleplaying as Smart People, the podcast where we talk about RPG systems, mechanics, and rants on topics we have way overthought. My name is Santa, and I'm glad you can join us again today. On today's episode, we have a very special guest. Let's have a warm welcome to Lucas from Blackfist Pu- Publishing. Hi, Lucas. Hi, thank you. Oh, it's I'm glad you can join. Uh, I'd like to thank you very much for agreeing to sit down with me and chatting about your upcoming project. Yeah, my pleasure. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, like, we're itty-bitty, too. And when you said, I'd do it, I was like, this is great. Like, this is my first time ever, so I might gush a little bit over this. But, yeah, I'm I'm so happy you decided to sit down with us. Uh, I mean, it's the RPG industry. We're all itty-bitty <laughs> and just <laughs> uh, enthusiasts. So, oh, yeah. yeah, it's nice. So, uh, before we get into the little bit of nitty-gritty, tell us about yourself a little bit. When did you get into uh, tabletop at the beginning? Uh, I was probably around 15 or or 16. uh, And it was like the the usual way that people get into uh, RPGs, I feel, is that they have like an older brother or or, uh, uh, someone who does it and then brings them into it but i never really had anyone around me uh, doing that so i sort of got into role-playing through uh, computer games like Baldur's Gate and things like that and i figured i really want to try it so i I, uh, managed to convince a couple of friends to try it out and i think we played one session and then we never played again Uh, and it wasn't like a disaster but no one was really uh, into it then for some reason like there was uh, I'm doing martial arts for a while, and and one of the other guys there was like, "Yeah, we're having a a, a role playing con next week. You want to come?" And, and we haven't we had, we had never discussed like being nerds because <laughs> like we were tough martial arts people. Yeah. But, so I went to the con and I met a lot of people and joined like a a, a role local role playing uh, club and. Uh, been been stuck ever since <laughs> that's always what it takes like even for me yeah. it was that little bit i wasn't even interested in it like i'm surprised i wasn't it was just that one little push from a friend who was like just try it out just give it one session and you just get hooked and pulled right in uh what system yeah. was that by the way uh it was a swedish uh, game like the swedish uh, monolith game is called uh, Drakkar or Demoner, like dragons and demons, uh, oh. and, and like the name is sort of a, uh, ripping off Dungeons and Dragons, but the system is more in line with uh, uh, like the basic role playing Rune Quest, like British oh. RPGs. Yeah, okay, uh, that's pretty cool. So yeah, like an older version of that, but. But yeah, I started getting frustrated with the rules quite early and, <laughs> and started <laughs> uh, making homebrew rules and, and things like that. And it kind of just grew from there. Do you have a do you have a favorite game, by the way? I think uh, I think I, I got a lot of favorite things about a lot of different <laughs> games, but I don't really have one game uh, that I would like put on a pedestal as my favorite game. I, I think. Yeah, I really enjoy Blaze in the Dark, like this, this system resolution mechanics in that lately. And I think that the concept is, is quite cool. So that's one of my favorites. But then I also like, really like a game called Follow, which is more of a collaborative storytelling uh, game uh, with without a, a game master or anything like that. So, yeah, my, the games I enjoy are quite varied and quite different from each other, so it's hard to pick a favorite. No, uh, I hear you on that. Even, like, I, I love trying out different games. Like, I think I got... We just finished Dungeon World, and I think we're switching over to Mothership, but then we also talked about... All right. Yeah, there's another one that we're talking about doing. I, the Sprawl, the Sprawl, okay, which, is yeah. a, which is another Apocalypse System one. So when chatting with you yesterday, you actually mentioned that you were even... Uh, you're about to start a game. What game were you playing then? We were playing a, a game that we put out last year called Vindskjell. Uh, it's uh, like a, it's only available in Swedish right now, and it's uh, it's a pretty it's a fantasy uh, role playing adventure game, but it's 
like the setting is more inspired by uh like south america southeast asia and polynesian cultures and it's got like a like an optimistic colorful vibrant vibe about it so so, so it's like it's been described uh, by some as as like the anti grimdark <laughs> swedish fantasy role playing game and, and we're working on a translation of that so we're trying out like a bit of uh, updates on the rules yesterday oh that's that's super cool it, it must be fun to just always have like you know a core group of people to really kind of do the do those things with where you guys are just tinkering around with systems yeah i, I was like i have my my local gaming group that i've been playing with uh, together with for a bunch of years and, and they're really supportive of uh, my my game designing so as soon as i've written something they want to try it out and <laughs> we also have the publishing company and we help each other out and then the, like the sweden is such a small country so we have like a, a pretty active uh, game design community still oh. uh, and and since the country is so small and the scene is so small in Sweden. Uh, pretty much everyone knows each other and we like to play test each other's game and things like that. And then our publishing company actually we put together a con for like Swedish uh, RPG game designers to meet and play test each other's games and give feedback on them and things like that. So it's uh, got a lot of people to just... Uh, uh, try out ideas with and get inspired by so that's really helpful wow that's actually that sounds very unique like me coming from canada where in order to like i have my city but besides that the next nearest person i have to travel over like a couple hundred kilometers worth of snow in order to get them <laughs> uh right it sounds like you guys got a real like do you have like a big culture over there all geared toward like not like you know a good culture over there that's all geared towards you know rpgs that really just promotes everything or like it sounds like it does i think we had we had like a, a the golden age of swedish rpgs sometime like started in the the 80s and then like the later part of the the 90s sort of started dying out and then we had a, a resurgence now the last couple of years with the Kickstarter and print on demand and a lot of like new uh, game designers started uh, producing stuff that that's uh, uh, begun to spread internationally as well. And I think like a large part of that, of course, is Kickstarter and print on demand. But we also in Sweden, we have a thing called folk building, like general populace education i think would be the, the closest translation and, and it's sort of uh, government subsided arts and culture clubs uh, so uh, it's actually my day job I, I work with helping like gaming groups and gaming clubs find uh, places to to meet and how to develop their uh, their interests and it's paid for by the government so that's i think uh, uh, been a big part of why there are so many wow. uh, like active game designers and active role players who, who really find the time to to invest uh, more into wow uh, that, into gaming. That's actually really amazing that you have so much support even from the local government towards creating these games and creating a little micro culture within the culture of people who with similar interests. That's I've never no, actually I, heard of that. That's that's insane. I, I feel quite spoiled, actually. <laughs> like like uh, in the rest of the world, a lot of it depends on, like a lot of it is dependent on, uh, like local gaming stores. Yeah. Wherein, uh, I don't know if there's an English word for it. Like club or community is probably the closest word, but it's like a like a, a non profit organization. Of of like-minded people, uh, like with a, yeah. a, a strong uh, democratic base that, that sort of get together and they sort of get government funding for whatever they're doing. And uh, it was the same. Uh, I, I used to be a musician, and uh, it was the same thing there. That, like the we had uh, 
the, the folk building like the government uh, subsided uh, uh, like help with paying for uh, rehearsal spaces and recording and all things like that and, and Sweden has a pretty active music scene as well oh, so wow. I, I think that's uh, I think it's very good for for arts and, and yeah like just deep diving into your interest and passions yeah that's that's amazing like for us we pretty much the only place you can really go to talk shop talk about this kind of stuff is the stores like they usually have you know rooms set up so you can either play like a war game or you can play an rpg but even then especially with uh the current times with what we're living in those don't really Ugh. exist anymore and yeah it's it's tough yeah i can't even say like even before this i i only gamed with like local people and it's only since really roll 20 became popular that i've been able to find any kind of consistency with games but that's i, I i'm i'm really jealous maybe i'll move out there one day <laughs> <laughs> it's like the climate is the same like it's it's cold dark uh so you like it here i'll feel like <laughs> home Canadian. i'll feel like home yeah. <laughs> um so how did you start up uh black fist for lug so yeah the, the publishing company i i've been designing games for a while but i hadn't really put anything out yet and then i was talking like we had a, a discord of of uh, swedish rpg podcasters yeah and we had a, like a Discord uh, server where we hang out, and we had a, a channel where uh, people would talk about the games they were writing. Yeah. Uh, and there were three of us that were really active, like giving each other pointers and helping out and reading each other's stuff. And uh, so, so we helped each other out a lot. And then two of us sort of started talking about doing something together, and then. Uh, the other guy went to a, a con and met the third guy and they sort of started talking about, yeah, maybe they should do something together as well. And and in the end, we sort of figured, like, I'm I'm pretty decent at uh, doing layout and, and graphics and things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I used to, to work in uh, design. And then one of the other guys, uh, his background was in... Uh, like business and economy and then the third guy uh, worked as a librarian and sort of distribution stuff oh wow and we figured like so either we could all create our own games and then everyone went separately to to conventions and things like that set up their own web stores yeah. and everyone had to learn everything or we could just join together and help each other out and not have to be experts on everything and we could focus more on our own things on your and, specialties and what you bring to the yeah, table. And then, yeah, have less work <laughs> and more game designing. Yeah. No, that's, uh, it sounds like a match made in heaven where all you guys had really different specialties that were all important to then goal. That's, yeah, that's actually pretty cool. Like, yeah. And the thing is, uh, like, Sweden is, is a small country, but uh, it was like, a, I think, six hour drive or something to get so so we released i think two games before we met uh, each other <laughs> yeah. yeah so so we live in different uh cities in sweden and mm -hmm. we, we pretty much run our entire company on discord and uh, uh, google drive well, I know that feeling. We run ours all on Discord and Dropbox. That's literally how we communicate for 90% yeah. of our stuff too. Yeah, but it works amazingly. Like as you were and uh, like you were saying uh gaming nowadays uh, with uh, Roll20 and, and you can play on Discord and things like that. You can find like-minded people. Like if you're <laughs> if you're the only role players in a small town, uh, you, you sort of have to put up with each other even though you don't like each other <laughs> that much or, or, or like mainly that your interest might not align because there are so many different ways to to role play yeah uh, but nowadays you can find a group where you, uh, like your preferences align and your schedules uh, sync up in a good way mm -hmm. and, and you can play with people so i think 
uh, Kickstarter and uh, print on demand uh, really books has been really good for game designing. But I think like the the internet and uh, being able to to reach each other has been great for just gaming in general. No, oh, I I definitely agree. Like uh, it's so hard to find people who even like myself before I only knew people who wanted to play D and D five E right and right. Personally, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of this system. Like, and that's just personal flavor. If other people love it, and that's totally fine. But like, it's hard to find people with like mindedness, and the internet really has opened up a lot of people to trying out everything. Yeah. We're not, the only person who I can say has a successful group that's lasted in per- person would be Finder. He's been playing with the same people for 20 years. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> yeah, that is really Cause, cool. Cause, I mean, so much can happen as well. Like you start playing when you're younger and then people move away to study or for work and then meet yeah. someone and, and start a family and uh, t- playing together for 20 years. That's quite awesome. Yeah, I, I'm I'm lucky to get th- uh, get in three sessions with the same group. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, you have a new project coming up. Um, it's called Heroes of Cerulea. Uh, would you like to tell us a bit about it? From what I've read so far, it, it's a really cool concept. Well, thank you. Yeah, it, it's a it's a, a adventure role playing game, very minimal, minimalistic rules wise. Mm-hmm. And very heavily inspired by uh, the Legends of Zelda series, and it sort of, yeah, it sort of attempts to mix in the the video game logic into role playing. So, like ro- most role playing is sort of realistic, and mm-hmm. then you have the 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 older computer games, uh, like you you have keys that works in every lock, but they disappear once they're used once yeah and that doesn't make sense realistically at all but in a video game it makes sense and, and like with dungeon design as well like if you play a video game the, the dungeon is is designed and built for the the player character to solve yeah like it doesn't the architecture and like the 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 traps and whatever doesn't make sense no one would have built that no, but in the video game, it makes sense. <laughs> so, 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 like this game, uh, Heroes of Cerulea, I tried to bring in the video game logic into role playing to get sort of a, a different dungeon crawling experience. Yeah, that's. I think that's like when I when like when I checked out your thing. That's the one thing I was thinking. I was like, that is so cool because even there's times in video games where I'm like, why would they build a trap room here? This is literally the only way to get somewhere. It can't just be a dungeon for people to fight you in. Like, what was the purpose of it? And why is the only entrance have spikes going to it for anybody to walk by? <laughs> right. Yeah, and it doesn't make sense. But it does make sense in a sense. <laughs> uh, uh, and I think that's something interesting to play with because you get a, a, a different experience. Uh, and I like, uh, as I we was saying earlier, I kind of like a lot of different games and, and like having different experience of playing so if you only play one game you sort of get the same experience every time yeah but if you try a bunch of different games it's sort of like watching different genres of of movies or listening to different genres of music like it's something completely different and uh, enjoyable in a different way oh no doubt uh did you have any difficulties like trying because like you know we you see a lot of video games trying to translate from books or even like role play well actually quite a bit of role playing games where they try and take yeah. those mechanics and bring them in did you have any struggles trying to almost reverse those roles i think it's not something that that it's only uh, applicable for this game i think always when you adapt something to role playing there's a lot of uh, pitfalls mm-hmm. that you could stumble into like the the usual thing that i see a lot of is you get inspired by a book or a movie or something, and then you sort of try to write an adventure uh, matching that story. Yeah. And, and and on paper it works, but then you start playing <laughs> with the players <laughs> and things go awry and it doesn't match the story. And, and like, 
everything goes off rails or you have to just say no stay on track don't do that because <laughs> uh, it doesn't like the pacing of the story doesn't allow for that uh, yeah. and i think it's the same thing here like in a video game uh a lot of uh like they're working on the dark souls role-playing yeah. game now and a lot of the the fun in dark souls is trying something like trying to get the timing of it right then dying and figuring i'm going to try it again and then getting slowly better and better just repeating the same thing over and over again until mm -hmm. you get it and that would suck in a role playing game <laughs> no one would want to just yeah roll roll uh, to hit okay i roll to hit yeah roll damage and then you take damage and then you die okay <laughs> now do it again roll again <laughs> and just keep doing that and 2 hours later like yeah sure you defeat the boss uh, that's not a fun role playing experience, uh, but it's a great video game experience. Oh yeah, uh, you never you never know when a giant ball of skeletons is going to start rolling at you. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, and, and that's the same thing. Like uh, uh, it when you do uh, that happens in Dark Souls, you get sort of frustrated, but you know it's part of the game, and then you start over and and, and you keep going. But if you do that in a role playing game, you're sort of looking at the game master like. What the fuck? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> that oh, was yeah. un uncalled for. Uh, and yeah, I, I think th that was like, you you have to, if you bring in video game uh, logic and, and video game aspects into role-playing, you have to sort of be, be careful so you still make it a fun role-playing experience and you use the strength of a role-playing game with sort of some of the aspects of a video game yeah so and... so so if, if you design a dungeon where like yeah, yeah like a Zelda dungeon usually works in a way you go in and, and you find an item and you use that item to overcome a challenge and then you use the item to overcome the boss and then you sort of go to the next dungeon mm -hmm. but but since you have to program everything in a video game like some solution won't work and some solutions will work yeah. but someone will have to have programmed that yeah this solution will work but in a a role-playing game you have a game master or or the rules or or collaborative storytelling uh, which is a lot more flexible than a programmed game mm -hmm. so if someone comes up with an alternate solution than that was originally intended then you could say yeah that that would probably work. And then <laughs> give her a shot, uh, and I think if you if you stop that, like if you say this is video game inspired, so only the correct solutions work, then it will be a less entertaining it, it would, uh, role playing experience because yeah. you sort of feel uh, you're not using the strength of the medium. Yeah, we have a we have a term. Uh, I don't know if it's the same for you, but it's called railroading. Right, yeah. Where you're pretty much just stuck on the path, and it's like, I want to do this. It's like, sorry, the tracks only go this way. And for video games, I that's think, totally fine. But for us, yeah. You yeah. Want that and I think, like, uh, the, the old-school role-playing uh, uh, scene is sort of really invested in uh, n having non-linear dungeons and focusing very much on player creativity rather mm -hmm. than... Uh, action roles and, and stats and, and special abilities uh, and I sort of wanted to bring because the, the the spark of this game was sort of I was looking into other Zelda inspired role playing games yeah. uh, and, and I was thinking this is not at all how I would do it uh, so, but how would I do it and then I started thinking about that uh, and I, I felt like the, the old school role playing game scene had a lot of ideas that meshed well with what I thought a Zelda game should be. Yeah. Uh, so I was quite heavily inspired by uh, those kind of games and those, like the, the ideas or the zeitgeist of that, that scene. Oh yeah. And even like looking at uh, the pamphlets that you have for this, the first thing I got when I looked at it was I was thinking this reminds me of the regular Nintendo the Legend of Zelda that was on the regular Nintendo right. with the gold cartridge. And I was already thinking, okay, where's that endless forest where you have to go left, right, center, left, up, down <laughs> in a specific order to get to that dungeon. 
Right. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, and, and that that sort of came naturally. Like I started to design the game, and I wanted it to be really minimalistic rules wise, and, and mm -hmm. focus on the dungeon aspects, and and not being a too complex a game. And when it came time to to do the art for the game, it sort of felt natural to go minimalistic with the art and, and sort of old school with the art as well. So it does that's another thing it doesn't make sense like if you if you make an old old video game it makes sense to have pixel graphics oh yeah that's all the uh, the hardware could manage mm -hmm. but when you're doing print why would you do pixel art <laughs> it doesn't make sense <laughs> but but it it conveys uh, a feeling and like you get an idea of what this game is about just through the art style you use yeah and with I, pixel graphic you sort of immediately get the sense like oh this is connected to video games and it brings about the uh, like connotations of of the older Zelda games and i think that's a good match oh and it definitely does like looking at it like my first thought was just pure nostalgia and getting through it like i couldn't help myself but feel happy when i was just like looking through it seeing the bits of art here the archer on uh you know all these little things and it just made me happy to kind of look at the game uh in general like even like on one of the pages like i think there was a chest on one and i was like i've seen that in games and i love it like it's right. just <laughs> Oh, thank you. I'm very happy no. to hear that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, so how's the work on the Water Temple? Have you guys figured out that one yet? Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> so so uh, we released like a, a quick start version of the game, which yeah. is three pamphlets, like a rules pamphlet, a, a game master pamphlet, and a, a dungeon, like an introductory adventure, I guess you yeah. call it. And, and we're gonna... We're working on turning it into a full game which is still going to be quite a, a small game, but a bit more fleshed out with a bunch more random tables. And uh, it's going to come with like a, a ready-made adventure campaign with a bunch of dungeons. Oh, and, nice. Uh, one of them is, of course, going to be a water temple. <laughs> and uh, I was I'm saying that as that a joke. As we speak. Yeah, but, I, but I, you have to. You have to. Yes, yes. I am so <laughs> pumped be, about the that. The first one is a forest temple, and then you're going to have a water <laughs> temple, and you're going to have a fire mountain temple, and, and a castle. Uh, oh, my well. God. So, yeah. I love it. I love it so much. Oh, that's great. No, that and, I'm. And I think it's going to be a bit more simple than than the N sixty four water temple, at least. Yeah, I know. I um, I didn't have an older brother or anything, but I had a a friend who had an older brother where I just bring my cartridge down to that, and I was just like, "Can you beat it for me?" <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Oh yeah. Um. So for this project, have you? Because like every project has some ups and downs. What were some of the most enjoyable parts of this project? But also, what were some of the, like the biggest difficulties that you've had with this project? I think the it, it started sort of as a silly project. It was just my my take on, on Zelda uh, as an RPG, and I wanted to keep it small. And and I I sort of wrote it just for fun, and then I shared it with uh, the, the the Swedish uh, game design community, uh, and they were like, "Oh, this game, I need it now. Let's play tomorrow." And I was like, <laughs> "What? I, I I just wrote it this." I wrote it in like a day and I've been working on it a bunch more since. But so, so the first time I just shared it with someone, everyone wanted to play test it. And, and that was really, that's always a, a nice pat on the back and a nice oh, ego boost when people are interested in it. And, and it's been the same, like when we been sharing it on Twitter, uh, things are really like a lot of people seem to really get a kick out of the, the aesthetics and, and the idea. Oh, 100%. That's that's, like, uh, that's very uh, that's a nice feeling. <laughs> that oh, people no uh, enjoy something. Uh, I think I like we've d done a bunch of games at this point. Uh, mm. So there hasn't really been any stumbling blocks like designing the game yeah. sort of works out. I think the the thing that I've had the most trouble with is making uh, the boss fights 
engaging without it. Like the the, the classic Zelda boss fight is sort of like, uh, yeah, there's a big eye and you have to hit it three times <laughs> and then <laughs> you win. Uh, and, and like that doesn't make um the game is more focused on like theater of the mind combat mm-hmm. rather than the miniature or, or grid combat. Yeah. And I think the Zelda games has a lot in common with the Dark Souls games in that sense. Like you have to get the timing right. You have to, uh, it's not, it's about figuring the boss out and then figuring out how you mm-hmm. maneuver to do the thing you want and that you figure out the timing and then you win. And and as I was saying, I don't think that really works out in role-playing games. So I was sort of struggling a while with how do you make boss fights not just feel like you roll a bunch of dice and then you win or you lose. Yeah, you wanted to make uh, it so, feel inspired by games, but also not as mechanical as games. Yeah, but, but yeah. at the same time, you still want to, like, the boss should be a different kind of enemy. You should have a, a it should almost be this, like, the set piece of the dungeon or at mm-hmm. least the climax. So, but yeah, I think we figured out. Still, it's a very minimalistic game, so I didn't really want a, a complex subsystem for boss fights. But it has sort of a, a, a twist on it that I feel, in the in the end, it works out nicely to make it a bit diff- more different and a bit more varied, uh, combat wise. But still, works out uh, with a minimalistic rule design and the the role playing medium. Oh, that's cool! I'm excited to see that. Um when it's all comes to fruition because this project it 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 does it it sounds like exactly what my mind used to play in my head when i was a kid playing these video games where i was like oh yeah you know you're linear in that but then your imagination takes over and you start thinking of all these other things and right uh, yeah um so one thing i noticed from your pamphlet is kind of the minimalistic design of it all and you've talked about here but like from the classic 8-bit art from the def- only using d4s to even calling them lo-fi rules was trying right. to cre- keep it minimalistic was that like a design philosophy from the very beginning or when did that kind of come to be mm, yeah it was probably an idea from uh, like a central part of the concept from the beginning like i r- really want to have it as minimalistic as possible mm-hmm. without it just being bland but uh I think, I think, uh, as as I get older, I feel like minimalistic rule design allows for you to to get into a game faster mm-hmm. and play it. And I felt like this. I think this a uh, idea or this concept for a game is fun, but I'm probably not. Uh, gonna play it every weekend for the next 20 years and, and I, I i can't imagine anyone else doing it so it's sort of a like a if you have a game that you really enjoy playing you play that and then you might need a palate cleanser between uh, different campaigns or, or adventures yeah. and, then, and then you play this for a couple of sessions and if, if it's a really complex system you're gonna look at it and it's like yeah that would be fun but i don't have the time or energy to to get into it so by keeping it minimalistic it increases the chances of people actually playing it sometime yeah and i think like the 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 concept is fun for a couple sessions but i wouldn't have it as my main go-to game i think oh yeah well they even say i think um there was a study done and I'm not too sure where the study was. I was ta- I was just told about it, but they say that the average like game lasts only about six sessions. Yeah, that and, makes sense. Yeah, and like I know, like right now we have kind of like you know a lot of pop culture coming on with these long form campaigns, but more, majority of the time they're you know it's true. You're not going to be able to actually do those long form campaigns <laughs> for a majority of people. Um, and, like most people have their go-to system already they're not gonna oh, yeah. find a new one yeah. uh, so but yeah I, I feel like it makes sense for it the rules to be minimalistic so that it's easier to pick up and play and then like everything like when you, you design a game uh everything sort of has to uh 
strengthen or or mm-hmm. or, uh, or uh, enhance the concept and there's another swedish game called mörkborg who's been getting quite a lot of international attention lately uh, well deserved so and it's been getting criticism like it is it's an old game yeah. and uh, it's it's uh, it's like almost neon yellow and it has a lot of like uh, really uh, evocative but quite simple art and uh, really extremely grim dark and brutal yeah, oh yeah but also sort of not, not not taking itself too seriously and it's been getting a lot of criticism that it's just style over substance mm-hmm. but uh the one of the people behind the game uh yuan uh, i think is, is a really good point like he's, he's been saying that style is substance oh yeah and yeah. I, i think that's a great point because if you As I was saying, like if you pick up this uh, Heroes of Cerulea, you look at it, you see it's pixel art, you see like the layout is sort of minimalistic, then you get an idea of oh, this is a, a like a retro video game RPG, mm-hmm. and it's not too complex. So you get information from the art and, and the layout, and also like even though you don't look at it during play you sort of had this idea in the back of your head like this is what the game is about so i think oh i, I think I, it's, it's an important point like style can absolutely be substance and enhance the uh your per- perception of a game and oh, your experience 100%. of that game as well yeah like uh, i actually i i actually have a copy of uh, like a physical copy of uh Okay, just because you speak, you speak the language, Morkborg, or how is it actually pronounced? Uh, I think I think uh, however which way <laughs> you want to pronounce <laughs> it, but in in Swedish, correct, like in, in the standard Swedish, it's Morkborg. Morkborg. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, that's good. God damn, that's uh, but, awesome. But but Morkborg, uh, I think. Uh, doesn't really you know what game you're talking about either oh yeah it's the same with with our uh, company name uh it's called black fisk publishing but yeah. if you say black black fisk uh, there's not another company with that name uh, and you sort of know, get yeah what it's yeah. about either way yeah that's one thing i was worried about i was like oh i hope i pronounce these things right like <laughs> I, i think if if you're swedish and you you uh, name your game or your company something in swedish that's hard to pronounce you only have yourself to blame and you can't expect others <laughs> to pronounce it correctly oh I, i i guess you might be right on that but um yeah like even like uh mugboria uh, if, if i got that yeah. right yeah I, uh, that one um i got that book because i looked at it i was like wow this has some really beautiful artwork in it and i And this is not to like demean it or anything like that, but I consider it like almost like a coffee book RPG where this is one where I just want to show people, look at the, how beautiful this looks. And I kind of had the same feeling with yours where I actually shared it to a few people because it was like, hey, what does this remind you of? And I think that like what you said right there, like it, it is very important to do those kinds of things because it does, it conveys a lot of emotion in the art and the, the layout itself. Yeah, thank you, uh, and and yeah, I agree. Like, if you if you have a a concept and and you enhance it with uh, the art and layout, you'll you'll get a better game, and and uh, I think that's better for the the experience. Oh, no doubt. Um, so I have a question. Actually, Finder wanted me to ask you, uh, and I thought it was hilarious, and I love it. But he was asking, um. <laughs> <laughs> He was asking if you ever guys, if you guys ever plan to do like a war game version where most of the things that you use are Legos and toys. Oh, that would be awesome! I know, right? <laughs> yeah, you said someone that. has to do that. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I can imagine yeah, that, that now. That, yeah, I think like f- for me at least, uh, a big part of of the role playing 
uh, fun for me is sort of focused on theater uh, of the mind. Like you, mm-hmm. you envision things, and 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 I've tried to play with miniatures and like on Roll Twenty, and I've, yeah. I yeah, uh, and even like when you uh, when you have a map in front of you and you explore a dungeon. Uh, even if it's uh, not a, like you're moving miniatures, but you're, I feel like you, it's so easy to get stuck looking at the miniatures or or the map or or moving pieces, and you sort of, at least uh, for me, it it sort of uh, cancels out imagining what it's like to be there in the world. So so I I think role playing and miniatures is not. Um, a good match for for me or or the experience that I'm into, but I love Legos, so, so <laughs> I might do an exception. <laughs> no, even like I, I'm I'm kind of agreeing with you on that one. Um, where you know the miniatures almost take away from the role playing aspect because it almost turns it more into, um. Like, uh, it, it turns it away from, like you said, the theater of the mind. It kind of almost makes it more structured. And in a way, it, it gives it those video game rules where it's like, you can't necessarily do this because your action does not allow it. Right. And yeah. that's a, a thing that really frustrated me with uh, when I started playing role-playing games. And mm-hmm. like the rules, uh, when they ended up getting in the way of, like, I want to do this, but no, you can't do that because the rule says uh, you can't do that, or you have to get a, a certain feat before you can attempt that. Yeah. Or, uh, like, yeah, it's not like that. That's nowhere in the book, so you can't do that. <laughs> and, and and I felt like that was a missed opportunity. And uh, like playing Baldur's Gate uh, in games like that, you sort of end up with the limitations of the computer game. Oh like, yeah. So you have two 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 uh, sprites standing next to each other. Uh, taking turns hitting each other and sometimes missing for some reason but they were just standing there <laughs> and swinging <laughs> their weapons at each other why why aren't they moving why how can they possibly miss yeah. and, uh, again it makes sense like the limitation of, of uh, the game and the mm-hmm. graphics and everything like that and you just have to accept it but when you move over to role-playing games i feel like a lot of uh, a lot of game rules sort of afford that uh, that image in your head as well. Like you, there are two people facing each other and they're just looking at each other, taking turns, hitting yeah. each other, sometimes missing. And, and I, I like I really want to get away from that when I play role playing games. Like I wanted to be more dynamic and, and more uh, engaging. Visually, yeah. even though it's not a visual medium at all, uh, and I think like d- doing some mind acrobatics allows you to do that. If if you're playing the, uh, if you have a system that allows for it a bit more. Oh yeah, I'm I'm even thinking back on the times, and I, you've probably even had this too. If if you've ever, like with the uh, ones that play miniatures, but the amount of times you're in combat. Which, for one, combat usually takes half the session alone. But on top of that, you'll have, you know, one person's doing an action and you'll look over and it's like the three other people on the other side of the table are just kind of talking about right. random subjects before. Right. Yeah. And, uh, wait, I have to look that up. And then you pick up the book and then you scroll to the correct page and they're like, yeah. nah, no, you probably can't do that. Okay. Then, then I do this instead. All right. And then it's time for the next <laughs> person and they're already mentally checked out. They're like, what? What just happened? And yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, but you don't know how to grapple. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That's the worst thing when you have to look up the grappling rules for a game. Oh, yeah. Then you know, this session is going <laughs> to take forever. Yeah. Well, um, so, when do you plan to release on Kickstarter? Like, I know I'm looking forward to it, but do you have any plans? Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's going to be sometime uh, second quarter this year. So, probably April, perhaps May. And oh, then nice. We we've sort of like we still have day jobs and uh, we we got families and other uh, 
things that we have to do. So our our focus is sort of to make the game as complete as possible mm-hmm. before we were on the Kickstarter. So we usually have sort of a, a short delivery time after a Kickstarter. So oh, we nice. try to have most most things ready. Uh, and and thus far, uh, knock on wood, we've uh, delivered all our Kickstarters ahead of time. Uh, so no, I that'll think, be like. <laughs> So we <laughs> That'll end? be cool. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so it's a streak we like to keep going. So, so maybe we'll do it in in uh, like if we get to April and we feel like yeah we might need to do a bit more work on it before we feel it's ready. We might do it in May instead, but some sometime later the spring. Oh well, no, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I'm sure uh, a lot of people are looking forward to it, especially since I I have seen them. Uh, I've been looking over at your Twitter and it seems like you got a lot of good responses from it and everything like that. So yeah, yeah no. people are being really nice. So. Yeah, I know. I, 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 before this, I've never had any experience with Twitter and I always heard horror stories, but it seems like, uh, yeah, everyone keeps saying that Twitter is the worst thing ever, but I feel like the, the RPG community has been really supportive oh, yeah. and, and everything. I think it depends on how you, read things and how uh, which things you read and, and sort of what what yeah. communities you're active in but but i haven't experienced twitter being that bad actually no me neither i was i was shocked i, I was expecting <laughs> yeah. uh i was expecting for people to start yelling me at me after my first post but you know it, overall like it's it's been <laughs> i'm surprised to say but i'm actually enjoying twitter <laughs> yeah same here uh, and i'm equally surprised about it so if people wanted to take a look at what's already available for heroes of cerulea um as well as your other products where could they find them uh, so we got a, a website called blackfiskpublishing.com uh, and you can find us on on itch and drive through as well if you want to download things there so all our games uh, it's a thing we decided quite early to have all all the PDFs are uh, pay what you want. So you can get even our, our full Kickstarter games you can get for free if you feel that's what it's worth. Uh, and we got a bunch of different games. Uh, we haven't got that many in English. We've got a couple of micro role-playing games and we've got one called Blood Feud, which is a a viking game about toxic masculinity and uh, like honor culture mm-hmm. uh, uh, and we got a micro rpg about like alien isolation kind of game uh, oh, cool and then uh, and then we got heroes of cerulea which is a, a three pamphlet game at this point um so yeah, we're gonna focus on international games in English in the future. Yeah. So hopefully, a couple more. So I have a mini confession to make. Okay. Uh, when I when I first went on your website, I didn't notice the like you know just to check out your stuff. I didn't notice that you had a you know a, a thing on the side that said. You know, in the like go to go to the English site. So I stayed on right. <laughs> on the other site for I swear up until yesterday, where you know, because I was I, I went to like the part where I could see. I was like, okay, this is the products. So I can the words are similar. I know that. And so after right. that, I stopped looking down the thing. So for the longest time, I was like, okay. And I was looking through some. I was like, no, I can't understand that. No, I can't. Oh, <laughs> here's here's one that's English. And then I finally then I look over just a little bit more to the right, and I'm like, wow. Uh, uh, failed failed my smarts roll on that one <laughs> but now you're fluent in swedish so oh yes yes no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we got uh, a swedish site we got uh, we released a couple of swedish games in the beginning mm-hmm. uh, and now we got an english website as well which ha- hasn't got all the swedish stuff on it to make it a bit more easy to navigate yeah no that's uh that's fantastic um, is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Maybe like, or maybe you want to say something to your fan base, something that I may have missed. Uh, no, just nice talking to, to fellow role-playing enthusiasts. It's really yeah. a, 
I think uh, I used to have a, a podcast as well, just RPG discussions, and I feel uh, listening to actual plays not really my cup of tea. Uh, but the discussion podcasts about role playing is really enjoyable to me, and I I do a lot a lot of uh, my, my I work quite far from where I live, so I listen to a lot of podcasts in the car, and I, I try to like pick up on all the small discussion podcasts. So I'm really enjoying that you guys have started up a new one, so I have more to listen to. Oh, much appreciated. I um, honestly, this our, our this was kind of like a random idea. I came up with the name before I even thought of anything else because I thought it sounded funny. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's really that's the th- thing as well. And like I saw you on Twitter, and uh, that, that's a great name for a podcast. <laughs> but um, yeah, if you ever want to come back to actually discuss uh, a full topic on one of our little rants that you've heard. Uh, you know what? You're welcome back anytime. You've been absolutely fantastic. And yeah, I, yeah, no, I've, I've I just clicked instantly. Like even when we were talking beforehand, we we're like, oh, maybe we should push play. <laughs> right. Yeah, but I, I feel like it's it's the international uh, language of role playing games. Like if you have a common interest, it's it's really easy to to talk oh, to yeah. people, and especially if uh, if it's people that spend a lot of time thinking about nerd stuff then usually get along there's always something to talk about i'm definitely agreeing with you on that one us nerds got to stick together (laughs) yeah but anyways rp people that's all the time we've had for today i'd like to thank lucas again uh for joining us it was a pleasure to get to know you and i i hope you to see you again soon likewise the idea, yeah, the ideas for a campaign are already kind of in my mind, and yeah, again, thanks, thanks so much for joining us. If you want to reach out to Lucas and ask him any questions, uh, you can check out his website or message him on Twitter at Blackfisk Pub. Uh, or if you want to check out any more episodes, even from ourselves, you can check us out on Podbean, or we have a Twitter account also at RP Smart People. Uh, Thanks again for tuning in, and I hope to see you guys next week. Have a good one.